0: Hi, I'm Shalushi Baxi-Ritchie. And I'm Kosha Baxi-Karstens. We are sisters and best friends who grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were really loved. We had a lot of friends, but we never felt like we fully fit in. We started to realize that there's probably a lot of other people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was the seed for this podcast.
1: Then during the 2020 election, We watched now Vice President Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence, and we got inspired. We want to hear, share, and amplify the voices of all Americans who have felt othered.
0: We want to give everyone a platform to reclaim their power and their place by standing up and saying, I am speaking.
1: So today we are talking to Kwasi Aminqua and I love this guy. I love this guy. He's married to one of my very good friends, Megan. Um, we go way back to high school and, um, but this was the longest conversation I I've had with quasi and I've known him for a long time.
0: He was awesome to speak with. Just forget the podcast piece of it. Sometimes you just meet someone and the conversation just flows. And that's what it was like speaking with Quasi today, it was from the very beginning, and hopefully listeners, you'll hear it, that the conversation really flowed. He was really open, very honest, really vulnerable. He shared some hilarious stories of his family and what it was like growing up, but also shared some really touchy spots, you know, where you might be like, "Oh, don't touch that, it hurts a little bit. Um, and yet just did it with grace and, and calm and a real, humility and evolved understanding of sort of like the world yes. that we live so, in
1: So Kwazi's uh, parents, his father's from Ghana and his mom is from Guyana and he was born in the United States, but did kind of a, a flip-flop, flip-flop back and forth from Canada. Um, so he just has a, a, such a depth of experience and, um, you know, just, and he also picked uh, a career that's a little like outside of what his parents thought about as suitable uh, career choices. And um, he just had so much to say and everything was, it was, he was just very lovely. So
0: I, I think you're going to hear something on this episode that you will not have heard uh, in uh, the other episode that we've done so far. I mean, obviously we're speaking to a man for the first time.
1: I mean, not ever, for the podcast.
0: (laughs) For the podcast. We're speaking with the Black man on the podcast for the first time. And we're also speaking with someone who is both a first generation, you know, Western American, but also is, is bicultural between Canada and the United States. So there's all kinds of different aspects of his upbringing and his experience that are very, very unique. We were, I was so grateful to speak with him.
1: So enjoy this episode. Quasi Amenkwa is speaking.
2: You don't have any work tomorrow, so that's fine. Oh, nice. Oh, and you, you guys
1: are late night people, which I appreciate. Well, I, I'm I, also like that.
2: I am a very late night person. You Megan, are? Megan is not um yeah i I could text
1: her i could text her at like 10 and usually get a response
2: oh yeah yeah she's she's more like 11 is like her kind of cut off okay and and like if i don't have anything the next day then like 2 a.m is my cutoff
1: (laughs) oh i'm that person (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right so we are recording and quasi if you could go ahead and start
2: okay uh, my name is Kwasi Manqua, and this is Am I Speaking?
1: No. No. It, <laughs> <laughs> we know you're speaking. <laughs> right. And you just say, and I am speaking.
2: Okay, my name is Kwasi Manqua. <laughs> Although, I
1: did, maybe true. it should be the other way. Maybe you should maybe. Just be like,
0: Am I speaking? Am I? I don't. Hey, so, that's so kind of true, though. Hey, I just got to say, Quasi, thank you for that. I had a really long day, and that just makes it so
1: much fun. Oh, so you you go like, right? And we're like, <laughs> <that's all."> no. <laughs> so, say, My name is Quasi
2: Amenkwa, and I am speaking. Correct. Okay. No question. you that one more time? Because I was okay.
1: talking. Right.
2: Sorry. My name is Quasi Amenkwa, and am I speaking?
1: And I am speaking.
2: And I am speaking.
1: Okay. <laughs> just so, make a statement, not a question. Okay.
2: My name is Kwasi Imanqua, and I am speaking.
1: Thank you so much for being here today. That was yes, super fun. Yes, thank you. Uh,
0: we should have a blooper rule sometime. And we're
1: gonna, we're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna that's you- awesome. You're on it. We're on it too, like don't worry. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Kwasi, you are the first person who's come on our podcast that is a black man right? and a black person at all. Um, And so, obviously, we have a number of questions that sort of speak to your experience as a Black person in the United States, but one whose parents did not grow up here. And we've been hearing a lot about what it, you know, the talk that people have with their sons and daughters, and, you know, sort of the ways that um, Black people, but people of color generally, keep their children safe by passing down knowledge from having, you know, lived in the States generationally, generationally. And yet, you know, the three of us are sitting here all first generation. So we all, you know, we're not getting some of that knowledge. Um, and in your case, there, uh, there's a very high price that could be paid. But we're not gonna start at the sort of most intense, tummy trauma level.
1: Yeah. We'll get
0: there. Uh, <laughs> I would love to start with just asking you what, Was the story you were told about your parents coming over to the States?
2: My parents um, have told me kind of varying stories over the years, but they're all pretty much the same. But you know, like when you're young your parents kind of tell you one thing and then like, as you get older they kind of incorporate more details and then they're like, oh, okay, this is what happened. I'm a little unique in the sense that uh, my dad uh, came from uh, Ghana. West Africa, and he uh, went to uh, college in Canada at the University of Alberta. And he went there to uh, study engineering, but ended up changing his mind and going into medical school and becoming a doctor. My mom uh, was born in Guyana, uh, South America, and she came to Canada because at the time her brother and his wife were living in Edmonton and um, he sponsored her to come there. And so she started working there and the way she tells it for lack of a better description is that my dad crashed a party, which knowing my dad as a person does not seem like something he would do, but essentially like he crashed a party and that's how they met. Um, and then they, you know, got married and sort of moved in between, they ended up moving in between, um, uh, the States and Canada, uh, for his residency, because he wanted to be able to practice medicine, um, in both countries. And, um, so they moved from Alberta, which is, uh, like Midwest Canada to um, Ottawa, which is more east coast and then from there he was in Brooklyn for a little bit well actually so my oldest brother was born in Canada then he moved to Brooklyn um, to do his residency and learned a little bit more moved back to Canada my other brother was born and then he moved back to America and then I was born so I out of the five of us I was actually the only person born in America so it was just sort of a like unique experience with kind of like all of those uh, different things. But that's sort of like, it was just funny because like when you first are growing up, your parents are like, oh yeah, we, we met in Edmonton. And then like, as I'm older, my mom's like, oh yeah, your dad crashed a party. And I was like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Is it weird to find out that your parents might've been cooler than you like <laughs> ever thought they would be?
2: It, it's funny you say that. Um, Cause I was just talking to someone the other day about um, my dad. And so I remember growing up, we had like judo books in the house and I never saw this man do judo or wear like any of the clothes or like doing. And I remember when I was older, I was like, I asked my mom, I was like, why do we have these like thick books in the house? Like they were not like a little small book. And she was like, oh yeah, yeah. Your dad used to, used to do judo. He was like a green belt. He went up a couple levels. And I was like, what? like (laughs) sports and exercise was not really something we discussed and then he was like oh yeah and then I started talking to my dad and he's like oh yeah I used to canoe all through Alberta and uh go camping and stuff and I was like okay because like we never went camping like I actually dislike camping and that could be because we never did it but
1: also because camping is like living like a homeless person on purpose. <laughs>
2: this that, that is true.
1: I also don't like camping.
2: I mean, I, I see no upside to it. Megan, my wife will disagree. She one day wants to take the kids camping and i like more power to you. I, I may not be there, but more power <laughs> to you if you want to take it. But it's just funny that like, now that I'm older, um, I'm, I hear like these stories and I'm just like, well, Where did this person go when I was growing up? Because this person didn't exist. Where did this person go? Because this camping, canoeing, judo person (laughs) never existed when I was growing up. When I was growing up, it was uh, just basically school, right? Like it was, you you were at school. If you participated in sports, it was because it was like part of the school curriculum.
1: And it better not get in the way of school, right? Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, I had, I remember... (laughs) I remember when I was in, uh, I was in like seventh grade and I didn't make the like top basketball team. I made like the secondary basketball team. And so we had like a different travel schedule. And I remember uh, most of the kids in my class had made the top team and we had an English test the next day. And they didn't have to go to a game, but I had to go to a game. And my dad was just like livid because he was like, well, you're going to be tired the next day taking this test and all your classmates aren't, you know, like seventh grade year old, you know, you don't understand that concept at all. It's was just like, oh, okay. He was like, well, maybe we should talk to the teacher because that's not fair that you're going to be, you're going to be tired because you had to participate in the game.
0: I mean, I think it's really interesting you mentioned both how education was absolutely the most important thing. We hear that a lot. And certainly, Kosha and I can attest to the fact that that was something our parents instilled on in us over and over again. Your education is the most important thing. One other really interesting thing, though, is we hear from children of immigrants, particularly those uh, immigrants that came to the country for educational opportunities. Like there's almost an overemphasis on education to the detriment of other things, and a lack of understanding about how the school system works here. that somehow, in your example, getting a poor ish, you know, defined by your father or your parents, a score on an English test would somehow be just that one thing that resulted in you not being able to have any kind of meaningful life ever. That's it. You're just, you, you might as well just become a ditch digger or something like that. Right. So what does that resonate? It sounds like since you're laughing, it resonates with you. Do you have other sort of examples or other thoughts? Like, and also did your mom echo that as well?
2: That's where they, they did, differ um, a little bit. Like my mom was very adamant about education. She she had worked in administration when both of my brothers were, were growing up. And then when I was born, where she didn't need a job, I guess at the time. So she wasn't working. And so she was a stay at home mom. And, you know, she just sort of echoed, you know, paying attention in school, but did sort of talk about Um, you know things like art and and stuff like that but in a weirdly not consistent way you know we would do like every now and then she'd be like oh let's let's like do a painting or something like that or like and we would do it and like that was it it was like a one-time thing that we wouldn't really do ever again but education was such a big thing my dad especially since like he was sort of like the driver in terms of that and the household really only knew engineering and medicine and and like and law and law right like it was like oh okay if you're going to become one of those three things I have an understanding of what those are so it's it's very easy for me to grasp the concept of uh, okay you can make money you can succeed uh career wise but not really anything else growing up that was a little difficult for me because um I like do art
1: you're creative (laughs) Yeah.
2: so as an artist uh there was a lot of confusion in terms of like well what would you do right like how would you make Mm -hmm. money um and i remember uh like i was i think in maybe a freshman in high school or or junior high i was like around that age and i remember having a conversation with him and i told him i was like well yeah i'm gonna become an artist and he, he was like well that could be your hobby and i was like Well, can it be my job? And he's like, Well, no, no, you can have hobbies. He's like, I'm a doctor and I practice medicine, but I do research and that's my hobby. So art can become like your hobby on the side. And I was like, Oh,
0: okay.
1: So even his hobby was a (laughs) terrible example. I I was going
0: to say he used to do judo, he used to go Uh, camping, and his definition of a hobby was research. Research. (laughs) Okay. All right. I mean, some people love that stuff. So I'm not going to push back on that. But that's—it it is a thread that we hear very often, which is um, education and financial stability. And I only understand a certain number of ways for that to happen. You can go to medicine. Uh, you can be an engineer. You can be a lawyer. And then there's sort of like, like the aura around those things, like what, what falls in those bubbles. So okay, you're not going to be an engineer. You're going to be a scientist. OK, I understand. Like you're going to do research. Um, you know, uh, I you're not going to be a doctor, but you're going to be a nurse or a tech, yeah. or you're going t- into pharmaceuticals. At least there's some sort of understanding of what that is or how people make money in those ways.
1: Yeah, you're not going to be a doctor, but you could be a <laughs> hospital admin or something. Yeah.
0: Right, right, but then there's sort of, you get outside of those three or four things and most immigrant parents go, I don't know what, you know, like they almost don't even know the words to say. And i'm imagining that you know in your dad's home country like there's not artists like there were artisans <laughs> who who make things and like they're actually business people right they right. but there's not like right. you don't get paid to be an artist here's yeah. my art installation like nobody <laughs> pays you for that um yeah. and but that does exist in this country and i you know we've talked to a number of people and even Kosh and i have had experiences where our parents go what's what's that about <laughs> it just got worse and worse it got harder and harder for them i did public health kosha was going to you know started research and moved to pharmaceutical sales our youngest sister is um a music therapist and they were like
1: i mean they didn't even know what to
0: ask at first
1: She'll, she's husband is um he's in, in finance, finance corporate
0: finance that makes sense. Yeah. that
1: makes a lot of sense and then brian is a musician but he makes amps and it, it's i mean my dad was like but why like it, i mean not <laughs> in a mean way but just like can't you do just all this on a computer now or whatever yeah. so like were you the first one to be like i'm gonna break out of this mold or did your brothers kind of set the stage for you a little bit
2: well to give you an idea or to answer that question um my oldest brother is uh, Head of cardiovascular at the University of Connecticut.
1: Oh, damn him! <laughs> damn him!
2: And my my other brother um, has a Ph.D. in biomechanical engineering. All right, <laughs> builds parts for uh, satellites.
0: So it was basically like check, check, giant question mark, no idea, uh, uh, does not compute. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's just broken
1: now. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So let's, let's just be clear that like, you're very successful at what you do. You, you're not just like, you know, selling art for food on the street. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you are very successful graphic designer, very, very talented. You know,
2: it, it's like anything, it, it took a little while, you know, it's not sort of like the instant success that someone, let's say, in a medical field, gets in terms of like uh-huh. you know you you finish you know medical school, you finish uh, residency, and then you know you get that first job.
1: That's a good point. Very good point.
2: I did take as long as a doctor though in school, <laughs> so All right. I I probably could have just you know saved myself some heartache, but um, <laughs> and
1: been a doctor.
2: <laughs> I um, recently did uh, participated in a uh, Star Wars fan art takeover. Creating custom art that appeared on Disney Plus, um, which was such a big deal that um, my parents actually called me uh, to congratulate me and you know have a have a drink, which was also an odd thing for my parents to. Uh...
0: <laughs> that I mean that is a big deal. That is a big deal, and it also I mean just goes to show you that in some cases it takes something like. Star Wars has recognized my art as being awesome. Like Disney is recognizing that my art is awesome for one's parents who aren't like, I'm, I'm not taking that as a like, what's the matter with you? Like, I don't, I'm trying to be difficult. It's, I, it's literally not in my worldview to understand how this comes together. Oh, that's what this looks like. That's what accomplishment looks like. Otherwise it's, you know, like, becoming the head of cardiovascular health at, you know, in Connecticut, like there's a tangible title there that you're just like, oh yes. Or, you know, building, the, my son built satellite parts, engineers, sa- not builds, engineers satellite parts, Right. right? Oh, huge, right? Like right. my, my son is a graphic designer. It's like the sort of understanding is like so do they make powerpoints? <laughs> or like do they yeah. do t-shirts? Like what what is that? But that is like a level of thing where it's like oh, you can point to that and someone would get it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was um definitely something where I mean, my my parents are not Star Wars fans um in any sense, but they are well aware of Star Wars and the like size of star wars so to you know be like oh wait my son's participating in something with this humongous franchise that everyone knows was like an instant like oh wow you know that's that's and that you
1: won right like you didn't apply like you you were participating in a contest and you won and they're not letting
0: anyone join like not just anyone can be like oh here's my art i just like for example i could never (laughs) ever oh yeah invited to participate in that at all
1: what you do is not art
0: so that's true. Yeah. I caught to that. Yeah. So we've talked about your brothers a little bit. We mm. mentioned them. What was your relationship with them, like growing up because they're both Canadian. So are they super nice. <laughs> and you're an asshole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny. Um, well, we are all five years apart. Um, so oldest brothers, 10 years, and then uh, middle brothers, five years. Growing up was um, really different in the sense that, you know, a a 15-year-old and a five-year-old hang out because they're siblings, but like they're in two different kind of life decisions. Uh, When my oldest brother turned 13, he went to boarding school. Um, So I only saw him, you know, at I call it American Thanksgiving. You guys just call it Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> like I called it American Thanksgiving because there's a different one in Canada.
1: Yeah, but it's in October, know. isn't it?
2: Yeah. Where, so, what
1: boarding school did he go to?
2: Uh, he went to this boarding school called Albert College. And okay. It's in uh, Belleville, Illinois. Uh, sorry, not Illinois. Belleville, Ontario, which is about three hours north of Toronto, um, like northeast. Um, we, my, my dad had some... Um, family friends that he had met when they did mission work in Africa. And we used to visit them and there was this boarding school there. And for whatever reason, my dad was like, oh, you're just going to go to this boarding school. And then (laughs) my oldest brother went there. And uh, so he went there, I think like junior high until he graduated. And at the time in Canada, high school was five years. So he went there and then my middle brother went there and then when it was like my turn to go there, we ended up moving to Canada and my parents just sent me to a private school closer to my house. Um, so I don't, I don't know why I didn't go there. They just ended up sending me to a different school. But uh, my oldest brother and I are, are very similar in um, just sort of personality and um, interests. He was a big drawer.
1: I totally thought you were gonna say a big drunk. Like that was, <laughs> that's where my mind went when you said that.
2: Uh, <laughs> he was and, a
1: drawer, okay. Yeah,
2: drawer. And um, I used to like emulate all his drawings. It's, it's like that sibling things, right? Like little younger siblings are always gonna um, imitate their older ones. And he uh, used to like to draw and I, I would just like see his drawings and I would try my best to copy him and, and sort of get to that level. And my middle brother was very different in terms of he was not as like outgoing, not unhappy, but like, he just wasn't like genuinely like to laugh for the sake of laughing. Like he would laugh at something funny, but he just wouldn't think everything was funny. And I would always think everything is kind of funny. (laughs) It's, uh, I had posted a picture, a couple, like maybe last siblings day or something like that on, um, on Instagram and and some of my friends commented that they said it was perfectly me because it was uh, my dad and my two brothers and they're all wearing suits and ties and standing there and I'm in like shorts and a t-shirt and I have both of my thumbs up and they're just like oh that that just fits with the group.
1: Did your parents just give up at that like we're not getting him in a tie?
2: Uh, I don't I don't know why because I was old enough and Uh, my mom was, um, is a big religious person. So Sundays at church, we were in ties, no matter what the weather was. I mean, it could be a hundred degrees outside and the church has no fan, but we're still wearing a full suit there. So (laughs) ties weren't a problem.
0: What's very interesting is that I also went away to boarding school. Um, I'm the oldest of four. Mm-hmm. I went when I was 15. I only went for three years. I went like my last three years of high school uh, and I went voluntarily. I wasn't sent. Um, but, uh, so I think that's really, really fascinating. Um, but that both of your brothers went and you stayed home and, and went to private school, although your brothers weren't at home at the time, but did that cause any friction as well? Was there any, you know, I can imagine that sort of you're the youngest, mm-hmm. you, you I don't know if your brothers felt pressured into pursuing these more traditional careers, but certainly um, it sounds like it sounds like the entire vibe you're describing is like brother one, straight lace, brother two, perpendicular to that straight lace. <laughs> you a bunch of squiggly lines everywhere.
2: So brother one, he ended up going to the University of Toronto and He had this, like, girlfriend that my parents weren't super fans of. I don't really understand, like, the whole reasoning. Because, like like I said, like, you know, at the time he was, like, 20 and I'm 10. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, like, I I don't understand the dynamic or what the actual arguments are. Um, And I I remember because then, like, my other brother was... Uh, 15 and like it annoyed him right like it annoyed him that there was this like conflict with your parents and like you know you're messing around you're not paying attention in school and, and stuff like that even though at the time he was um you know at university um he was getting a degree in science I believe is what he got his degree in. I actually am not 100 percent sure um but so he then like my oldest brother then um, like got his master's and then he went to medical school and it was sort of like, okay, well he's, he's going to be a doctor. And my other brother, uh, you know, just didn't like to rock the boat, even though there was not like a huge boat to rock. Right. Like it wasn't like there was this whole, all these set rules and you can't this, disobey but like he he didn't seem to like him and it was sort of like he just wanted to be semi-perfect I think at times um because he ended up for undergrad he ended up going to MIT so he just like started off by going to the best possible school you could go You know, look
1: at me I'm doing it and doing the right thing did you say that your second brother was annoyed at your oldest brother for like doing something that your parents didn't like
2: yeah, that's what I, I, I feel like that's how I interpreted it.
1: The reason that I wanted to <laughs> clarify is Shayla She and I have that exact dynamic cause I'm four years younger than her and she would just like blatantly do stuff that mom and dad didn't approve of. And I was like, no, don't, oh my I would get really upset where I was like, they're mad stop making them mad yeah no i totally by the way i 100 found this picture
2: yes that is that is, that is also
1: a, nobody except for you is smiling this picture.
2: that's but see, that's an immigrant thing when it comes to taking um, photos
1: that i yeah, yeah
0: that is a
2: thing that is very true you're
1: i mean
0: that's that's this is the first time we've heard that observation but you're absolutely but right you're absolutely right, <laughs> right. Yeah. it's like be serious take a good picture you're here to work <laughs> here to work i mean before people had phones on their cameras or cameras on their phones yeah. you know and you could just like take a billion pictures and be like, delete 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 i was telling my 13 year old that once upon a time you had to first of all go buy film for a physical camera that you carried around with you then you only had 24 if you were lucky you got like 37 <laughs> there's that one extra one that came in, right? You bought 36 and then you got that one extra one and then you took it somewhere and they developed the film and it took them like five to eight days to give back to you. And then you really, really hope that your pictures turned out well. That is true. Because if they didn't, you can never go back and like take pictures again. Obviously you couldn't just take an endless number of pictures. So if you didn't get it, you'd be like, well, now we have these crummy pictures instead.
2: (laughs) No, it's it's funny because I always think about like, I actually I wear glasses like everyone in my family wears glasses I just wear contacts a lot of times now and my mom would always whenever she takes pictures you know slightly turn her head so she wasn't perfectly on so the flash didn't hit her lens to cover her eyes because if once you got that photo developed that's a useless photo if I can't see your eyes
1: (laughs) I need to meet your mom (laughs) <laughs> well, like
0: all of us have that memory of like getting these pictures back and be like ah you blinked at the wrong time or right. oh, you know like oh my fingers in there or whatever it is and you there's no cropping i mean you, cropping meant you physically cut pieces of paper and yeah. you know and there was no like you couldn't correct things there's no color correction it was just like well that either like you may do with crummy pictures or you're like well I guess we're just going to throw this, right. away. That's, you know, another $15 down the drain or whatever.
1: Um, true. And it's expensive. That picture was awesome, by the way. I, can I put, can I post it in our show notes, please? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That would be awesome. That's so
1: awesome. <laughs> you look
0: so happy. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really curious about this back and forth to Canada thing. Cause it wasn't like, Oh, your brothers are born in Canada. And then you came here and then you lived here. And that was it. Like, then you went back to Canada and then you came, now you're here. Is your and your brothers are both here.
2: Um, one, are you... one brother is in Connecticut and then mm-hmm. my middle brother um, is in Canada uh, with my folks.
0: Oh, okay, so you're, I was gonna ask, your parents are still there? Or did they eventually decide to settle in the States?
2: My dad uh, went to Springfield, Illinois and, and was teaching at um, SIU. And then we he was there for several years and then we moved to Toronto.
1: So your dad, your dad picked up a hobby of teaching <laughs> at the university level. Yes. That was a hobby. Yeah. Right.
2: That, that was his like <laughs> side gig when he wasn't oh delivering his babies. Side hustle. He was his, his side hustle was to teach medicine when he wasn't actually practicing medicine. So, um, but that was, see, that was the other thing. If I had said, let's say I want to be a teacher He probably would have understood that concept because he teaches at medical school. So he's like, "Oh yeah, okay, I get that idea." But then he'd want to be like, "Well, you have to be the superintendent eventually, right?" (laughs) You can't can't just stop. You have to. It
1: has to be directional, right? Right. Like you can't just be a teacher. Where are you going with this?
2: Yeah, and so then he moved to Toronto, and he was he was there for a while. Some of the people in Springfield were like, "Hey, you know, would you come back and kind of help build back the medical program because it kind of." changed a little bit and so he went back and he was there for a couple of years and then it you know I don't think he liked it as much because it wasn't like when he had first been there um so then he was like okay well I'm gonna move somewhere else and <laughs> so they moved to Buffalo and they lived basically in Buffalo because I don't know it's Canada adjacent so they were like this is kind of like we're in Canada but we're not in Canada because we're still in America
0: yeah it's like moving to like Duluth or something, <laughs> like right on the border.
2: Yeah. And he, he he was at the University of Buffalo teaching there and, and practicing for a little bit. And then um, some people in Canada were like, hey, come back to Canada. You can work like at this hospital, which wasn't too far from where I'd grown up. So he was like, sure. And then they, they just moved back to Canada. And then he just worked there. And he's retired now. Um, but... just decided to keep kind of like moving around and switching between the two countries
1: (laughs) are your grandparents still in Ghana or do you have family still in Ghana and Guyana
2: a lot of family in Ghana I have not seen since I was a baby that was the only time I went there Um, both grandparents are passed on both sides and then family uh, on my mom's side in Guyana and Jamaica And while we haven't met, some of us have just met over social media, just sort of like the plus of social media is getting to know these random cousins um, that I just didn't know I had and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, you do get a chance to sort of at least have, have, you know, sort of like conversations and just know each other and like, see what other people are like, oh, you had a baby or you got a new job. And that's, you know, this low key connections can, if you ever decide to go visit, it's helpful to have at least set that foundation.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I told my, so my one cousins uh, who live in Guyana, I like a couple of years ago learned about the, it's called like the Goliath spider. It's like this massive spider that's the size of a small dog and it eats birds. And I was like, no, no, I just just (laughs) wrote, I was like, I am never visiting you. This is too close to the rainforest and it borders your country if i see what but it's it not
1: even in guyana
2: Well, like the it's in brazil but like because of where guyana touches brazil don't talk to me like spiders stop at a border like they're like oh wait no sir you have to stop here you go back
0: it's like uh, it's like being in australia and new zealand where you're like
1: like what huh
0: snakes fall from the sky yeah it's it's done it's
2: done there's there's i was like
1: you're a you're a harry potter fan aren't you quasi
2: i I, a loose a loose one not a A a you don't
1: have to be a real one there was a picture in in uh from australia with a snake that was like trying to get into a door like a front door and it was like um can i talk to you about our lord and savior voldemort (laughs) because like like a snake missionary (laughs) It's like five feet tall. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And it still has like a bunch of tail behind it. You're just like,
0: <laughs> yeah. But people no, are like, okay. oh, yeah, no, that's fine.
1: But this snake is not, not the snake, the, the spider, this dog sized spider, as you call it. Mm-hmm. First of all, dogs come in very different sizes. So are we talking like a Chihuahua sized yeah. spider or it, like a it, Great Dane?
2: No, it's, it's Chihuahua size, but even a Chihuahua
0: sized spider, would you want to see? <laughs> <laughs> The Google say the Google say it's about as big as both hands put together.
1: Which is like a very small chihuahua. It's
0: big for a spider. I totally agree with Quasi. If I saw a <laughs> Chihuahua that's about this by like two hands, I'd be like, Great, you're a dog. I get this. If I saw a spider coming at me that big, I'd be like, I need to move and I need to burn my house down. <laughs> and I need to burn all my clothes. At least in this country, you do not see spiders that big. Your oh.
1: cousins don't live in the rain. Like d they're not gonna stop at the border, but are they gonna stop? Are they gonna like go into a suburb like down the sidewalk?
2: No. I don't know. I, I have not I have not been. I can't say how close things are. I don't need to chance
1: it. You're not gonna chance, need to chance it. it. I don't Fair need enough. To chance it. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> just... Okay. So how do we start talking about spiders? <laughs>
0: Uh, because of visiting family and they live near the rainforest (laughs) and not wanting to go there. (laughs) There So I totally get that. So we were talking about visiting family and having family in different places. Um, And we were also kind of talking about what it's like to be not just a first generation, but also straddling the experience of Canada and the US because most people think, oh, it's Canada. Like we're really similar, but Canada is still a colony. Right, and they they very recently were a colony and there's, st- you know, like the queen can still show up and like sit and, at the head of parliament. Um, and we, the United States was a hundred percent like a, you're not my real dad situation. Right. Like go away, we don't want you. I'm leaving home and I never want to talk to you again type thing. Mm. And Canada's like, no, it's cool, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so culturally things are different. So what was that like? Not, not only having one foot in, you know, Western US or Western American society, and then, you know, other parts of the world, but then also switching back and forth between these two countries.
2: Um, it, it just added to a different dynamic of growing up in Canada. So when I was growing up in Canada, um, you know, we lived in suburb about 40 minutes north of the north of the city north of downtown toronto and um my school uh i had well when i started we had 200 students i think at my school uh just to give you it might have been might have been 300 just to give you an idea of like the size of the school and out of the 300 there were probably four black people, I think, and uh, the rest were either white or Chinese. Like it was like, that was the division. So you heard uh, growing up, I heard English or like Mandarin in school, like in the hallways. Um, And that was just for me, just part of growing up in Canada. Um, And it was just sort of like, oh yeah, this was, this was it. Um, And so it, it has been, a different experience because like, you know, when I was growing up um, in the States, um, you know, when I was younger, it was like, you know, I was, I was the only black guy in my school. And actually we even one year um, when I was about 10, my dad um, decided to do a sabbatical in England. And so we, we lived in England for a year and, I went to a private school there and there I was like the only black kid in the whole private school. Like that was like, you're like, Oh yeah, there, that guy, <laughs> and he's from America. So it was very, noticeable. Okay.
1: you stood out. <laughs> yeah. American nice black out. guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I know uh, who you're talking about.
2: <laughs> and I remember um, like when I came back, um, when we came back to the States, like uh, this w- one kid who's Turkish had joined the school and like, that was a big deal. Cause it was like, Oh, that's, you know another foreign person in our school <laughs> and you know when I moved to Canada it was it was slightly different because like while there were more minorities in the school there weren't necessarily more black people in the school and so um it was just sort of like a, oh yeah we're all just here and um you know it's it's funny because uh like me, Like my middle brother likes to refer to Canada as America, just slightly different. Like things are slightly different. Like you go there and you're like, well, it seems like it's America, but then you're like, well, no, this is more like a foreign country, (laughs) you know? Like there's the McDonald's, but it's not the exact McDonald's you expect to get when you get like a McDonald's in America. And um, so even kind of Going back. So, you know, I I came to America for college. You know, if my friends and I would ever go to Canada, like they all had this like preconceived idea of what Canadians were and like what they look like and everything and how they talked. And then you get to Canada and you're like, oh, this is just a lot of foreigners living in (laughs) a country that's really like America, but it's not quite America. And you're like, yeah, that's that's what Canada is.
1: <laughs> that's that's really... That's their motto. We're pretty much like America, but not really as just a bunch of foreigners living in the country together.
2: Yeah, because I, I mean, I remember like things growing up, like I'd go into like a Home Depot and there'd be like a welcome sign and it would be like English, French. And then like all of these other languages, that you're like, oh, well, you wouldn't see that in America. You just see a welcome sign. And here it's like-
1: Maybe in Spanish, maybe in Spanish, depending on where you live.
2: Right. Um, and it was just, you know, each, each experience was like a little different. And um, I think how I was interpreted was probably a little different too. Um, one of the things that happened a lot it didn't happen at all when I was younger. And it happened more, I think, once I got into college and was older, is that um, more people started to assume I was Indian rather than Black. Um, and that was starting for, I mean, I can remember, I think like I was a junior, I think in college. And, you know, some guy's like, Oh, your parents are Indian, right? And I was like, Well, no, I mean, my dad's black. I mean, technically my mom's uh, parents came from India. So my grandparents right. are Indian, but, um, but it, was, it was just something that sort of like progressively happened as I got older, which hmm. I don't really know what happened <laughs> why, feature-wise, but- um,
1: For people who don't know, I mean, there is, there is an Indian and West Indies like connection. Right. Mm. Or what would you call Guyana? Like, what is that considered?
2: I would I would say like West Indies. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's I it's was like, oh, my bad. God,
1: neither of you said anything. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, is that, like a bad thing to say
2: oh, there is a huge it's funny. There's a huge um, Indian and Chinese actually population in Guyana, because one of the guys I went to just by chance, one of the guys I went to high school with that I hung out with, um, you know, he, he was Chinese. And I don't know why, but for some reason, we ended up mentioning Guyana and he's like, oh yeah, my mom is from Guyana. And then like, she like, lived like two blocks away from my mom. Um, and like, it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how you guys randomly ended up here. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely a, a large Indian population and uh, it would happen like a lot it, it, it happens, like I said, I'll, once I got to like from my junior year of college until now, um, I will get random things where, I mean, one of my uh, wife's favorite stories was I, was I was in a bar and with some friends and we, we'd been drinking and like I was in line at the bathroom and this guy just started talking to me and I was like totally confused. And I was worried I had had a couple of beers and like didn't understand. And then I was like, wait, no, he's not speaking English to me. And I was like, oh, I don't speak the language. And his friend's like, come on, man. How do you not speak the language? And I was like, dude, you totally think I'm in <laughs> like, I was like, you know, so, and even when I've taken cabs, people ask like, they're will be like, oh, what, where, where in the Middle East are you from? And I'm like, what, what? <laughs> what
1: canada (laughs) middle east of canada i I also think it's so
0: fascinating that people are making assumptions
1: and i'm and i was gonna say like i wonder if it's because they have to like put you in a box and you don't fit in that box so it's like they'll continue to ask questions until they can be like oh he belongs here like do you get a sense of that is that what you think it is or
2: yeah i i to be honest i don't I don't know because so many of the people who have, who have, who've talked to me about it um, have all been from very different places. Right. Like, so that person in the bar who just assumed I was Indian and just started talking to me like um, cab drivers have, have asked. And I don't know if that's sort of like to create that bond of like, Oh yeah, you know, my experiences too. Um, I mean, I remember I had like, we were, we were getting like our, our washing machine fixed and the guy who was repairing it like he was he was talking to me and he's like oh he's like you're from are you from South America and i was like well my my mom is and he's like oh okay he's like because he's like you know there's a huge like black population in South America because like because of the slave trade ships where they would drop off slaves there and he's like you look like you you have this like complexion like you came from there and I was like oh okay cool i i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i that's that's fine i you know oh oh actually i do have one other story that that's also really so um i am in in the household i am not the planner uh my wife megan plans all these she she plans all these uh, amazing trips and and i just go i'm like wherever we're going we're going and um, She really, she wanted to go to, we flew to LA and then we drove up the coast, um, on like highway one. And we stopped at this, um, elaborate mansion. I can't think of the guy's name.
0: Is it the Hearst castle? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hearst castle. And we, we take a tour and before you're taking a tour, uh, the, the tour guides, like there's a, there's a whole group of us. And he's like, oh, where are you you from? And he's like asking people. And like some people are like, oh, I'm from, let's say Ireland, or he's like, oh, I'm from here. And he's like, okay, you know, there's this castle is so elaborate, I have, I can tell you about something that will relate to your country, right? He's like, I'll I'll find something. (laughs) And and I'm just sitting in the back because I don't like to participate in these things. So I, I don't say anything. And so we go on this huge tour and it's really cool to see because this place is, you know, lavish. And he's, he's like talking, mentioning different things. And then at the very end, we are watching a, like a black and white movie that's showing like old clips of the house and like the different animals and all this, the, the people that used to work there. And some animal comes on the screen and he's like, that animal's from India. And he looks at me and he goes, Hey man, I'm sorry. That's the best I could do. <laughs> Which was like, oh, you, you didn't, you didn't need to include me. Yeah. I, I was, I was fine. I was, was just- <laughs>
0: fine. <laughs> you weren't like me next, me next, do me next. Right. Like, it's not like being a child where it's like, Oh, if I don't right get called out yeah. on I didn't
1: get my turn yeah, yeah.
0: wow wow
1: and yeah. then he totally missed the mark too oh yeah. no yeah and then to be like that's the best I can do dude oh no oh lord yeah. well, it Sounds like he was like
0: he tried to make a connection and you know to me this just highlights so well how flat that can fall one if you're not like really pa- reading the room and being like that guy does not care whether there's something here that relates to his ancestry um, but secondly when you make assumptions about people and not only did you not make a connection you actually create a distance because now, now I'm like you didn't even bother to ask like where I was from
2: I didn't hold it against him in terms of like he was he was trying right like he's yeah. this is his job he's he's and he's trying to make it feel like oh I have something I can you know a fact I can remember so I didn't really think anything of it but I just it was just sort of funny because it was just sort of like I did not expect it (laughs) and then it was like oh oh okay wait we're we're engaging okay you really wanted to talk to me
1: well he promised he needed to follow through on his
0: promise well and I think it's also really you know a salient example of what a lot of first generation people go through, which is not these, you know, we were talking about with other people, not these like blatant, you know, statements that are like, most of us don't deal with go back to where you came from directly to our face. We don't deal with that. Most of us, some of us do, right? Most of us don't, but most of us deal with what you just described. Someone thinking that they're making a connection and getting it way off the mark. And then, kind of like trying to be funny about it um, or like not being able to pronounce your name. And then instead of being sort of a little humble and saying, I'm sorry, can you tell me how to pronounce that? Just sort of being like, can I call you Ken? Oh. Or, you know, or just being like, I'm never going to remember that. So let's just skip it.
1: Right. Hey, do, you, do you get that quasi? Do you get the name fumbles? The, the substitute teacher pause, as I call it.
0: So
2: it, it's funny, um, someone on Twitter, I was just actually talking with someone on Twitter. When I was younger, I felt like I got that a lot more. Um, as I've gotten older, I, I don't know why, but less people seem to fumble uh, my name. Uh, like a lot of people will see it and, and say quasi and like they'll, they'll just you know want the confirmation and I'll be like yes. But um, I won't get it as much as uh, when I was growing up and people would see it and just be like, I don't know what this is. As a result, I, I don't do it as much now. Well, now I kind of do it as default, but a lot of times I would just give my middle name because my middle name's Andrew and people understand Andrew and I don't have to spell it.
1: You don't, you don't have to spell it. You don't have to say it again. You don't have to get the questioning, especially like in those years where... You know, it sounds like it was like preteen teenage years where you're like, I don't want to stand out like I want to blend in. And so Andrew blends in more than quasi does.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember in junior high. No, I was in high school and one of my uh, like teammates mom was giving me a ride home and was like and he said quasi. And she was like, oh, oh, is that a nickname? And I was like, no, no, that's that's my name. Um, So you know, that was just a, a, a thing. But now, um, like I said, more people s- seem to know it, but it's it's funny because I, I still use Andrew as a default. So like if I'm, I don't know, at a Starbucks or something and whenever I meet, like whenever I'm hanging out with like, let's say new co-workers who know my name, uh, like when they hear me say Andrew, they're always confused. And I'm just like, oh, well, that's My, you know, and then I have to explain,
1: like, then you have to explain that anyway. Yeah. Well, I always say, like, I say, if I call for a reservation or a pickup or something, I will use my husband's name because it's Brian. So I'm like, people, like you said, you know, people understand that. And then one time I went to, and everyone has a Starbucks story. So I know I'm not like special, but I said my name and then I spelled it and it's K O S H A. And I got it back and it said "cosage," K-O-S-A-J. So I'm like, the fact that I spelled it and I probably spelled it fast. So I said K O S H A, and that was the, re- I tried helping and that was the reason she, got it wrong <laughs> if i had just said kosha it would have been probably closer right to, uh, how you actually say my name but so now people call me the great Kosage sometimes oh, like she- i have a couple of people who call me that i was like oh look i mean i don't know if you can notice but on shayla she's square she actually has the pronunciation of her name
2: yeah, yeah i know i noticed like, that because i was like oh there we go that he way has it
1: on her business cards if, if she has done everything an event, it's on like a name tag <laughs>
0: Well, I'm also a consultant. So yeah. when I moved into consulting, I realized, look, I don't want to give anyone the reason not to call me. Right, right, right. Before I jumped on the call, I was just like looking at the, you know, the information, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Quasi Amanqua because because if you cut, and that's this is the other really interesting thing about um, names that are translated over into English letters from from languages that don't have English letters is that people are just trying, there's no like set pronounce, or there's no, no set spelling for Shea Lucier or Quasi, right? It's not that language. So you just go, okay, what's the best I can do? Shay, and then you just kind of sound it out and you put it together. On the other hand, w- white people are used to, you know, names like Sorsha, which is not spelled anything. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> it sounds. And so it's almost like people overcomplicate it because they think it's supposed to be a Sorcia style name, and you're like, no, it's just phonetic.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because yeah, like my last name's Amanqua, A manqua, right? It's like very just like if you if you see the letters and you just say them, um, you know, that'll make the sound. When I was uh, graduating, I got my master's at um, UIC in, in graphic design and you know, we were at uh, the UIC pavilion and they have, you know, this big screen. So that way, like if you're in the back, people can see you.
1: I'm like nervous about what you're going to say right now.
2: Obviously I was the first, I was the first person of like the five of us who are graduating. And I gave the dude my card and I walked up and they were like getting ready to put my hood on. And, you know, you could almost hear the fear, right? Because it was like, and it was, and, you know, it was like zoomed in, kind of on my face. <laughs> and, and I That's just great. like rolled my eyes and I'm, and I'm out the word. That's great.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. When the substitute teacher moment happens on stage at a graduation in front of like thousands of people.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. And so then after that, everyone considerably got slower because he would ask you to say like they would give the card and then he would they would whisper their name and then he would say the name <laughs> he was like okay i made one at, le- at least he was like i made one mistake." we're not doing this for
1: how do i course correct but yeah i mean it but they're you know like our, our all of our names also are phonetic like even Shayla's name is it looks difficult but if you just break it down by syllable it's very phonetic but we got you know my our little brother's name is Chirayu it's Chirayu and people would say that sounds like that character from Neverending Story Atreyu and Chirayu would say like (laughs) kind of so like you can relate to my name you could and they're like can I just call you Atreyu And he's like, absolutely not. That's not my name. Like, no. And then he was Chuck for years. And like, that's not even kind just it's a CH. People call me, like, can I just call you Katie? No, no. So it's, you know, it is one of those things that like it's not that it's not phonetic. It's that they look at it and they've never seen that set of letters together before. And they don't want to be uncomfortable. Like what we're hearing so much is like we'll have you in our world absolutely but don't make me think don't make me uncomfortable because that's where Mm -hmm. you know that's where i i can't go there
2: like i said now it's less of an issue but you know when when i was growing up a lot of it was like you know they'd say like what's your name and i'd have to say you know i'd usually say Quasimodo without the moto. And then they'd be like, oh, OK, I get it. Oh,
1: interesting. You know, and- <laughs> yes. I would say co- like oh. it's like kosher, but with an A. Like kosher, it is a word that is in the English language. I would have to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get it. I, I couldn't say anything. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no, I mean, not only is there no word that looks like Sheilushi, there's as far as I can tell, there's no other person named Shailushi in the whole world. Um, so the more I put myself out there, the more I just fill up Google pages, because if you just put my, only my first name into Google, I'm like the only person that shows up like 10 pages. Something
1: like your high school, like science project showed up on Google before anything. If you want
0: to know what community theater production I did in 1985, It might be on the internet, like that you can find all kinds of stuff about me, which is both, um, it's very convenient if you want to tell people how to find you, it's very inconvenient if you don't want people to find you. (laughs) Um, It was interesting at one point, someone actually said, um, okay, well, you got to think about anonymity online. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, uh, There's no, there has never been such a thing for me. Right. So, <laughs> um, so
1: if we can, I would like to shift and so given the current climate, what I'm very interested in is the fact that like a lot of people don't see you as a black man,
0: but I assume a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a,
2: a lot of like, I have, I, have um, I do have a lot of friends that are, are surprised. Like when I tell those stories, you know, they're like, oh, I never saw it that way. Right. Like they just haven't seen me that way um and you know i have i have some friends who are you know I, I think like when you're you know you have mixed parents um you know i could show you pictures of my nephew um who who i have a nephew actually that's um my middle brother's wife is Korean. And if you look at him, you'll be like, wow, that is just a straight Korean kid. There is there is no other mixture in there. And I just think that's that's what it is. I think like as, as you know, um, race is it just becomes this sort of like indistinguishable characteristics where you're like, well, this characteristic used to be attributed to something but now it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And we you know. have,
1: I mean, all three of us have mixed kids she'll she me and quasi are all married to white people and so our kids do have that kind of like indistinguishable mixedness you know and i mean there's research that shows that like in several generations most people will look like our kids versus mm-hmm. having like mm-hmm. very strong racial differences, um, even in skin color and, and features. So what you're saying definitely rings true for like what we're seeing in the research. Um, so, cause you spent so much time in Canada and you said, you know, you were one of like four black kids there. Was, mm. what was the difference between your experience experiencing racism in the United States versus Canada?
2: No I I think in in both countries there was it was very different experiences right in terms of like in Canada the racism I um, experienced was more based on not being not necessarily being black but like not necessarily being like Chinese or not necessarily being white right like it wasn't oh, I'm going to hate on you because you're black. I'm just going to hate on you because you're not one of us.
1: Okay. Because you were other. That was like, you were something else.
2: Yeah. And even even to some extent in high school, like there was some like racism, even between some of like the, the black students that I interacted with because I wasn't, you know, black enough. Um, that was something that, you know, came up to me. Um, and... And I think that was probably because having foreign parents, right? Like when they move to America, it's like, well, we're here to like assimilate and get, you know, and succeed in in medicine, right? I'm not like here to bring my culture and and you know, we'll have those things at home, but like that's what we have at home. It's not like a thing we have to be out and about about. It's more like, well, you're out and about about work and things like that. So. You know, I remember interacting with students in high school that were like, well, you know, you you can't recite enough Malcolm X for me, or you you can't do this. And it's like, okay, okay. And it, it, you know, made for like an awkward sense of like, I think growing up, I didn't really know where I fit in. Oh, I'm just moving along. And uh, who I'm friends with is just whoever I can become friends with, but like, it's not Attaching itself to any one particular group, because I don't know if I ever felt comfortable with any particular group, just because um, everyone sort of had their bias in one way or the other. Um, And then like, you know, when I got to college, um, you know, that was like a whole different playing field in terms of like, there's just people from everywhere at college. Um, And, you know, you don't have to do any one particular thing because you can find a friend anywhere who, is from any particular background or whatever and it it doesn't matter and so it's funny because we had one guy um, from New York and he just like going around meeting people and so as a result all of us became friends because this random guy just sort of like interacted with a bunch of people and then the people who kind of wanted to stay together stayed together and that group, you know, was very multiracial and, and everyone was from sort of different places, right? Because like we had, um, like one of my good friends is is a white guy who's from Quincy. And we had, I had another good friend who uh, grew up in Indonesia and like came to the States for college. And like our freshman year was the first time he'd ever seen snow. One other guy in the group was um, a Filipino- guy who's from Chicago and so it was just like this group was like okay well we're just gonna all kind of become this group and
1: almost like it was like nobody really fit in anywhere so you fit in together
2: yeah and it just was sort of like that was you know I think when I started to feel a little comfortable in myself in terms of like well I just have these people that I'm gonna hang out with and it's not any sort of agenda, right? It's just like we share similar interests, even if it's just going to school together, um, which was enough for us to, you know, kind of remain friends and, and sort of hang out and stuff like that. In, in terms of like racism in America, I think most of that has come more, I feel probably directly from being Black um, than anything else. You know, in full transparency, I've had interactions with the police, but most of them have actually been Positive. There was, there was one time where I made a wrong turn and I I apologized, but there was another cop like looking in the back of my car, which I at the time thought was like really weird, um, but didn't understand the ramifications of it like at the time because I was sort of talking to one police officer and then there was another police officer like looking in my car. But you know, I in in other times I've been pulled over and and not had incidences um, or anything like that, but um with sort of like as I've gotten older and become more aware of like the world and how I could be perceived um it does become sort of more of an issue that I have to be aware of and make my kids aware of that I totally was not made aware of when I was younger um it just I I, it obviously was an issue to my parents I am I have no doubt um and I'm sure they in, in, interacted with it, but um, I don't know if it's sort of that immigrant parents have this sort of like power through kind of mentality.
1: Absolutely. We have talked about this. Uh, yeah, you're on it, you're, you're dead right. <laughs>
2: where, where it's like, oh, that person was racist to me. Okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to power through and it doesn't matter because if I'm successful at my job, (laughs) yeah, if I'm successful at my job, I'll be rewarded.
1: It's that whole, like the best revenge is living well, right? Like just put your Mm. head down, push through. We don't have a, we don't have a right to say that's not cool. It's
0: well, and I would even say, you know, uh, you know, unless you're coming to a very well-established community with, you know, years and you know generations of roots um where you feel like you have a place to fit in you know I think about my parents so my dad has been called you know the n-word because he's darker skinned Mm -hmm. uh but he does not look like a black man but it's a it's a slur it doesn't matter if you're actually black or not it's really you know it's meant to be a put down it's meant to be an insult um it's meant to do harm um you know and, and the vibe i get from my parents and from a lot of immigrant parents is really like i don't actually expect to fit in here i am coming i'm coming to live here i don't expect that i'm gonna fit in and i think you know one thing we're hearing again with with first generation kids is that no but I this is my home. Yeah, when people say go back to where you come from. I'm like, Well, I was born in Chicago. So (laughs) I'm not moving to the city, but I'm pretty close right now. I'm right outside the city. I'm about as close as I feel comfortable going back to exactly where I came from
1: And actually quasi aren't you like a lot of Americans want to go to Canada right now. I'm fine. I'll go to Canada. Fine.
0: (laughs) Right. But that like our parents may have experienced the same kinds of slights that we are experiencing. And they were just like, not, not to say that they brushed it off or it didn't affect them, but they were like, that's not why I'm here. Mm. I don't have Mm. energy for that. Um, and that why wouldn't I be treated that way? Because I don't, I don't belong here right my home whereas for us and other first generation kids you think no I do belong here I shouldn't be treated this way
2: yeah I think there's there's it's there's a different mentality and and I almost think it's it's just surprising um like now you know like now I've I've had you know more in-depth conversations more with my mom than my dad uh but I I mean I remember like my mom would Told me a story about like her her job where she um, basically like her boss was taking a day off or something and he put her in charge and like this other lady was like pissed that she was in charge because like heaven forbid this South American lady be in charge I should be in charge and like went and talked to somebody else and then they flipped the decision and made her in charge while this this boss was away. And I was like, but mom, that was unfair. And she was like, oh, I don't have time for her. And it was just this like blow off mentality where it's like, which I, I get in terms of like, why waste your energy on one person? But like, as I've gotten older, it's like, well, it's not always just one person. Yeah. like
1: She represents a, a, a systemic issue right like that this is this is not a one-off she that woman was not an outlier
2: Mm, mm. yeah and I and I think and I and I look back and I wonder if that's how you're able to power through is just this idea that like oh well this is one bad person you know this is one bad issue so whatever I can keep going on and I'll keep working
0: I was gonna say we certainly as a society have seen how all of us try and do that as a way to avoid engaging in difficult thinking difficult conversations and systemic change Mm -hmm. you know all of this um all of this the last year and a half seeing all this stuff about police police brutality protests and the response the is usually oh it's one bad apple or it's a couple Mm -hmm. bad apples right but one if you know anything about bad apples they make the whole barrel go bad. Mm-hmm. You got one bad apple, the whole, the whole lot's garbage. Um, but secondly, how, it's so much easier to avoid the difficult work, even as immigrants, you mm-hmm. know, to engage in thinking about how there are systemic issues when you go, oh, mm-hmm. it's just that one person. That person's a jerk. Mm-hmm. This police officer is reckless. As opposed to seeing it as connected pieces and a bigger, you know, it's like it's a puzzle. Yeah, okay, mm. this one's bent, but if every single you look at look at them one off, you go, oh, this one's bent, this one's bent. If a whole bunch of them are bent, the puzzle's a problem, mm. not the pieces.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And like and like I said, like now that I'm older and and I think it's because now I'm older and I have kids and like it's like these extra responsibilities. It's like, oh, I you know, I'm forced to look at it in a different way of like, oh, okay, there's this, there's this bigger issue that like, I can do my part to fix, but then also have to be like, oh, okay. Hey, you know, you guys need to know, like, you know, when last year, my son's seen all these things of like Black Lives Matter. It's like, what does that mean? Like, why are people putting up that sign and being like, we're showing that for a long time someone has been you know this this group essentially has been overlooked and been treated poorly and we are making a point to understand like we don't you know the thought process is we treat everyone equally but that's not the reality and so we have to be willing to like understand that at times different groups will be um, targeted or, or treated poorly. And we need to understand that, you know, we lift them up when they are down, understanding that they also lift us up when we're down, right? Like there's there's this interdependency. Like I, th- I think about like how, you know, now we look at all these things that are happening, you know, to the Asian population. And it's just like, everyone needs to do their part, right? Like, it's not like, hey, I'm down, you have to help me out. It's like, when uh, when you're down i'm going to help you up right it's 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 like this got to be hand in hand like you know i think the best uh expression is you know rising water raises all ships right like we all want to move up right and i know and i don't think there's anyone that would ever say well no i don't want to move up no we all want to move up and we need to do it together i think it's it's a little frustrating sometimes it's like when there's almost this thing of like, people be like, oh, well, you know, they, they won't stand up for somebody else, but then when it comes to them, they're like, oh, well, that you know, this shouldn't be happening to me. And it's like, well, you just saw it happen to someone else. What makes you think this is, it's not gonna happen to you.
1: In 2001, right after 9-11, there was a, a huge swell and surge of anti-Brown racism right like I was told go back to where I came from there was so much racism and violence against Indian Pakistani Middle Eastern just anyone who looked vaguely brown and then like Mm. now at least I think with our parents the immigrant generation now with all the anti-Asian hate that's going on it's like well that's not me right like th- it's like this yeah. not understanding like we just went through that 20 years ago and it's not like it went away 20 years ago it's like but now that it's happening right. to somebody else it's like blinders I,
2: that i think is what i find the sh- the most shocking part is like to experience it and then when someone else experiences it it's it's not that same frustration it's almost like a relief of like well finally they're not they're not picking on me and it's like well they're gonna come around
1: they did pick on you remember how they did pick on you it is interesting how we want to just it's it's very
0: like a hot potato kind of or whatever it's not a situation what can i what can i do to avoid having you know as my husband calls it the eye of sauron on me (laughs) someone's gonna take someone's gonna eat it who's it gonna be not me, not, what can I do to make it not me? And we talked to one of our uh, upcoming guests uh, that we're gonna release fairly soon. Although Kosha is the one that manages that. So project. she shows
1: up and talks to people.
0: Yeah, that's what I do. People are like, what's going on with your podcast? I was like, I don't know. If Kosha and I had this, this the opposite roles, I'm not sure that we would ever talk to anyone. And, <laughs> and I'm a hundred percent sure that even if we did talk to someone, we would never release it because I I don't have the patience and stamina to go over and over and over and over again. I'd like listen to it twice and be like, this is too much, I'm done, <laughs> it's fine. Right. It's fine or it's not getting done, right. end of story. I was gonna say, as you know, I do want to be respectful of your time and I wanted to sort of start to pull the pieces together. Mm. And we were talking about, um, about racism and what it's like now versus when we were children which a lot of it has to do with how much more aware we are of what's going on I mean we would never see some of the things we see so you know when a 13 year old boy gets shot in Chicago you know there's one that happened 10 years ago and one that happened 10 days ago or so um, and in Chicago it looks like oh that's only happening once a decade you know um, it's police violence isn't that big of a problem against black and brown people it's not happening that often right we're not seeing the videos and the this and the that of everything happening everywhere else Um, and yet raising two sons in this world means that you can't ignore it anymore right we don't have the we don't have the luxury of pretending that things don't exist one because we're not those people but two it's in our faces all the time now so how are you you know how are you and your wife navigating what it means to raise two boys that maybe aren't the darkest black people you've ever seen but will present black to somebody and at one point at some point in their life may actually have to think about how do i interact with the police
2: um, I mean, right now, because their ages, we are trying to answer questions.
1: So they are seven,
2: uh, seven and three. Yeah. So, um, you know, if they ask questions, we're going to answer it, um, very honest and upfront because I, I feel like I don't want to like lead confusion. Um, with that said, you know, they are still seven and three. So the, like reality of these sort of interactions or potential interactions i want to hold off until early teens or like
0: until they're ready until they're ready to talk about it meaningfully instead of just being like here's a bunch of information and it's going to freak you out because you're too young to really understand what it means
2: it's it's also one of those things of just being aware of it but potentially not ever I- interacting with it i i don't know it's it's hard to say right it all you know part of it will be based on you know their friend group, right? Because like if you know they end up having mainly white friends, then it's gonna be, oh, like this is our black friend, you know, but, <laughs> but if they have, you know, uh, black friends or, or Indian friends, they're gonna be like, oh, you know, this is our light skinned friend. It'll all, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, I'll watch it too, because it it'll all depend upon which friends they navigate with and like how they're interpreted. You know with that group right so um but definitely trying to hold off until they're a little older because it's just like there's there's so many other things in the world that they have to worry about um you know it's like you just as a parent don't want to add like one more thing to their plate um because you just want them to sort of be like you know kids and, and and enjoy life and like like it's, it's funny because like as i'm older you know i think about like oh how did when did these interactions start to happen with me and it's like oh yeah like they happened kind of in high school and it was like oh okay well i'm just gonna hate high school and get through my four years and then, power you through
1: know. you learned well from your parents power through
2: yeah yeah um yeah. I, cause I, I look back and I'm like, man, I, I did not enjoy any moments of high school. Like I had like three other people that I hung out with and that was it. And I got through high school and kind of was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out.
1: And your wife was super popular in high school.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is, which is funny because then like, when we talk about high school, you know, it's two very different experiences of like, Oh, you know, she, she liked high school and, and, thinks of it fondly and I'm like oh no I hate it every minute I just you know burn the whole school down let me get out
1: of there you powered through and she revelled <laughs> in the popular glory right yeah. yeah I was more on your side like I liked high school but I was very awkward and and but we also I mean you said you went to a high school of like 300 people Megan and mm-hmm. I went to a high school of 3000 more than 3000 people so so finding your own little niche and kind of being able to disappear if you wanted to disappear was easier. Right. There wasn't like Mm, a true popular mm. group because it was just too big. So that had a lot to do with it. I'm sure it
2: was, it was, I mean, my, my high school was so small that like when we graduated, I think there was 50 of us maybe who graduated and they like talked about you when you graduated. So they're like, Oh, quasi quasi manqua, he played, you know, basketball and he played this, and then he's applied to these colleges. But
1: you didn't you didn't make the highest level of basketball team. So should they really (laughs) have talked about that? And your dad, your dad probably stood up and was like, Yeah, and he sucked on that English exam the next day. (laughs) And that's why he's an artist, putting quotes.
2: I do want to tell a random funny story about my so, so my my dad is an obstetrician and, and, you know, he's doing like high risk deliveries was was his thing. So when I was in college, uh, like I went originally, I was like, okay, I'm going to do science. And I totally was doing very poorly in biology and chemistry, but I was really doing well in art history. And uh, so my dad was like, we'll just get a degree in art history because really your, de- your degrees don't matter.
1: You could still go to medical school with an art, art history degree.
2: Right, you, you could do whatever, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, your degree, it's just having the degree that matters. And so I like decided, okay, I'm going to do medical illustration. I was like, this is, this is a blend of me being artsy, but you know, it's medicine related. He knows exactly what it is. So it's, it's sort of a win-win. And so I like graduated and then I spent the summer taking um, physiology and human anatomy classes. And then I went back to school for a year and did the classes again with the hopes that like I'd get really good grades. So because I already took them in the summer, I didn't count my grades in the summer. I just take the classes again in the fall along with drawing classes and I get really good grades. And I take the GRE. And I would apply to these five schools. Like there were six schools, five in America and one in Canada that were certified. And I did all that. They all said no. I mean, they all just just wow. no. <laughs>
0: I'm assuming I'm assuming they didn't say just no.
2: Oh, like you one, didn't get a
0: letter being, back being like just
2: no. One one I remember, and I I really want to see if I can find this letter, but it said like uh, we can't you know um, like invite you or whatever and. We feel that your artistic talent would be best used in sci fi or comic books. And I was like, oh, wow, you really said no. <laughs> you couldn't just say no. <laughs> no. And yeah, you do
1: not even have to. Heaven forbid you try, try to industry.
2: draw anything human related. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, no. Plus, if any other school accepts you, they'd be crazy. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> oh, you really said no. And they went into like, what could we tell this guy to do? Yeah. Because he can't do this. Yeah. And,
2: and so um, because I had taken my GRE, um, I got like some random, you know, schools send you things. And the, uh, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago sent me a letter and was like, oh, you should apply to come here. And I, I remember I had no idea what that was. Uh, but my roommate at the time, his girlfriend was like, wait, you got a letter from the School of the Art Institute. And I was like, yeah, I took the GRE. And they said, like, I can apply to come there and, and whatever. And she's like, well, you should apply. And I was like, oh, OK, sure. So I applied and they were like, well, you can't come here for grad school. But if you want, you can do uh, two years here and you'll get a degree in graphic design because since you already had a degree in art history, your stuff um, counts. Like you have all the prerequisites. So I was like, okay, sure. And I told my dad, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to, to school in Chicago and it was school. So he wasn't going to question it. So he was like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. Where, where do I, where do we go? Where do we send your stuff? And I was like, okay. He had a couple of patients that were artists. And so he, he, he told them, right. He was like, oh, so my, my son's going to school, the Art Institute of Chicago. And they were like, really your son got in there? that's like the best art school. And then it was like, oh, okay. I, I'm okay with this art thing. Cause you went to the best art school that you could go to.
1: And it came, that validation came from outside. Someone else had to tell him how amazing this is. So to wrap this up, I wanted to just, uh, you know one of the things that we ask all of our all of our guests and you've been delightful. <laughs> like it's like painful to me that we have to wrap this up because I could listen to your stories forever. And I now need to meet your parents because they seem awesome. What? Okay. So we ask everybody about their fan What are some of the words that, you know, maybe they come from your parents or your grandparents or something that have like infiltrated your family vocabulary. And sometimes, you know, they, it's just, it's understood in your family, but it doesn't necessarily have to make sense to anybody else. Are there any words that you guys use um, either with your parents or even like with your boys or? I'm
2: trying to think if there are any words that are in our family that we use that I can't can't think of off the top of my head. Um, My mom uses more traditional words for things, um, which are just words that I understand. So like, you know, she'll be like, oh, the Chesterfield and you know, no one calls it a Chesterfield. Everyone calls it a couch. <laughs> but she'll be like, "Oh yeah,
1: is it a Chesterfield? Is it a couch? Yeah. I did not know that. It's a specific style." But will of she couch. call yeah. any couch yeah. a she'll Chesterfield?
2: just be like, "Oh, it's it's behind the Chesterfield." And like, I know that it's the couch, but like, I know people don't know. It's the couch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Would she say that to like your kids? Do they know what a Chesterfield is because of they that? They
2: don't. They don't know what a Chesterfield is because of that.
1: Not yet. Yeah. Anyway. But,
2: she, she would always use, like, words like that. Um, for some reason, I don't know why. I don't know where it came from at all. Um, my dad, like, when we were leaving, would say, like, the cat is on the mat and, and the mat is on the cat. Like, I don't know why, where it came from, why he says it.
1: When you're, like, leaving the yeah. house? Yeah. Or when you're... Yeah, like... He would say, the cat is on the mat <laughs> and the mat is and on, the cat. Mat is on and we,
2: the cat. we would we would leave and I and I don't know where it came from
1: and you've never asked him why the fuck do you say that weird thing <laughs> so
2: I don't ask, I've never asked them but I do say it to my kids
1: oh so that is a total thing, oh, a there thing. You go. that is cyber and they they're gonna be like why
0: does dad say that and then one day they're gonna ask you be like I don't
2: yeah no, like my, it got to the point where that. like now especially with like Lincoln my oldest son like I can say like as we're leaving I could say like the cat is on the mat and then he'll say like the mat is on the cat you'll like the he'll back. know to say the other half um but I I don't know why um we we say that at all <laughs> we're, we're getting...
1: so instead of saying like okay does everyone have their shoes on yeah. you say the cat is on <laughs> yeah. the mat and the mat is on the cat does Megan say it too? Uh, Megan
2: doesn't say it, but Megan hears us say it. <laughs>
1: but and she, she knows, knows what it means. What it,
2: she knows what it means.
1: That's amazing. Can you? <laughs> Megan's like, I'm not saying that thing. I was a cool swimmer in high school. I don't say that weird thing. Uh Can you ask your dad? I need. Mean, I mean, this is like oral history. This is important information. I, just,
2: I, I can't even fathom where it came from. Like, that's the thing. It's not even like, oh, because we are not, first of all, we are not, pet people in my, my house, like that was, now I have a dog, but I am married to a person who came from a dog family. So now I like understand the dynamics of having a dog. And, and I think, you know, going forward, I'd always have like a dog. Um, but like in my house, um, you know, my mom made it very clear that pets are for outside. Like you can have pets
1: because in the West <laughs> Indies, that's what they right. do. they
2: all lived
0: outside. Um.
1: In Ghana, that's what they do. They You don't bring animals into your home.
0: There's so many of them outside. Also, now. if your dad yeah.
1: is saying the mat is on the cat, he's doing it wrong. <laughs> like, he's clearly not a pet person.
0: No, but the cat was also
1: on the mat. If you ever find out, you need to tell us. You need to come back on this podcast and tell us what that means. And also... Um, we do i will let you go now right. we will let you go but only if you promise to come back thank you so much for coming on and being open and honest with us and um and i lo- like don't let anyone tell you that you shouldn't laugh <laughs> okay. your laugh is like infectious it's awesome thank you so much for no being problem. on quasi and uh we we've loved it so have a wonderful evening you too. and yeah. um give hugs yes. to your your gorgeous wife will do
2: will do Uh, nice to talk to you. I had a great time.